the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. It's Monday. It's time for a mailbag. So we are going to be turning to you, the loyal listeners of the Cover 3 Podcast. Your questions answered after we get through a few headlines and talking points coming out of the weekend. Reminder, if you want to submit a question for the mailbag, we've got a big old doc it is growing. Uh, we love your questions, and we are going to be getting to them on a weekly basis. So you go to our page, the Cover 3 Podcast. You leave a five-star rating. Uh, you can give a review as well. Give us some tips. We appreciate those. We are trying to do a better job of mentioning uh, players' positions and schools when we mentioned them, because not everybody knows that Isaiah Simmons is a Clemson linebacker, but when he's a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, you certainly will. Uh, so it, feel free to go do that. That is the way you get in on these mailbags. I am joined, as always, for these mailbag episodes by Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Great. Good. That Just That's good. It. Yeah. Long-winded answers, yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're just anxious to get into this mailbag, I guess. Uh, you know, our our users, our, our listeners rather, are uh, are outstanding at uh, getting conversation rolling. So yeah, let's, let's have it. I prefer to call them our friends. Yeah, our pals. Yeah. I mean, we sh- we spend a lot of time with our listeners, our chums. Yes, proper. What a proper term. <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's start with uh, some attention on things that are uh, a little bit less uh, happy and and good and fruitful, which is the state of Florida State football. Uh, that team went to Wake Forest against a Demon Deacons team that was without starting quarterback um, Jamie Newman. They gave up. 173 receiving yards to Sage Surratt. Kendall Hinton had a big day. Cade Carney had a big day, and uh, and and it nothing seemed to uh, be more demoralizing as a snapshot of the the Florida State lack of connectiveness. Connectedness. Connectiveness. Wait, which one? Uh. Connectivity? Connectivity. This just bad signal strength within the Florida State locker room. Uh, there was a play. It is um, after uh, after James Blackman gets taken down, he leans his arms up to try and get a teammate to help him, and every offensive lineman is already walking towards the sideline with their back to their quarterback, who's laying on the ground with his arms to the sky looking for some help. Mm-hmm. Uh it was. It's a bad, bad spot, and, and the reason why we bring it up here at the beginning is because uh, from twenty four seven sports, we got an interesting 
a bit of conversation from Knowles 247 expert Josh Newberg, who said on the On the Bench podcast, I believe an exit strategy is being discussed. It's not a certainty right now, but nothing is done, but it is getting real. I'm told this is a situation where Jimmy Sexton and the FSU administration have been in touch. They've been talking directly about money and potential buyout slash negotiation if it is to come to that. Yeah, I think a scenario where Taggart does get let go if this team continues to go down the path it's going, continues to play, and make the same mistakes that it has. On the business side, there's a deal that gets struck in the background. So Barton Simmons, right now, October 21st, do you believe, first of all, just that Willie Taggart makes it to the end of the regular season? I mean, I, I did I, I did before my, my guys at Knowles 247 started in, insinuating that that might not be the case and to be clear they're not saying something's going to happen it's just sort of more about okay now it's it's suddenly real like we've all assumed we everyone's been talking about this Willie Taggart situation in in this um the vein of like you know it's been disappointing but he's he's, he's going to get to year three and suddenly after the Wake Forest loss which surprising, you know, Wake Forest is like a top 25 team. Um, so it's surprising that that would change much. Uh, but after the Wake Forest loss, uh, all of a sudden it seems realistic. Um, so suddenly I have to start changing the way I view this and I start to really take a look at whether this is, is going to go down. And, and I don't know, I guess as I sit here today, I still think he'll be, he'll be around because I, I don't think he's going to get fired this week. I think they probably beat Syracuse. Then, you know, it's, can they not just can they not beat Miami and BC? I mean, I know that's that's hard to assume they're going to win those, but it's also easy to view this 3 and 4 team being 6 and 4 in 3 weeks, being 7 and 4 in 4 weeks cuz they got Alabama State. And so um that is a that is a big time uh assumption to make I, I get that given the way this team's playing but I, I still think as long as it doesn't happen like now there, there, there's a there's a way out for Willie Taggart to just hey keep on getting a couple wins in yeah I, I would think if they lose to Syracuse next week at this time we're sitting here on Monday afternoon next week we're talking about Willie Taggart being fired <laughs> yeah I would agree with that I think yeah you can't you can't go lose to this Syracuse team no, at I home mean, if you look I mean it, it does feel like it's way too soon, and I do think that the situation Taggart inherited from Jimbo and that staff was not something you can just kind of step into and fix right away. But, you know, you're halfway through season two. You're 8-11 and 11 overall. You're 5-8 and eight in the ACC. The Clemson loss, I don't think anybody's going to hold against you. But even if Wake is good this year, I still feel like at Florida State, losing to Wake Forest is not really acceptable. Losing to Virginia is not really acceptable. And then the season opening loss against Boise State is you know, not really acceptable. So I get it. I do wonder if it's kind of a quick, I don't want to say quick hook, but it's a false uh, measure to fix things like I don't know who you're going to bring in and suddenly Florida State's going to be great I mean unless you're bringing in like Lincoln Riley or somebody on that level I, I just don't know who's out there that's going to be able to fix this really quickly I think the thing that that probably ignites this and I didn't watch the whole weight game in fact I watched very little of it but I did watch the very end where 
Florida State's down two, got ball on their own, like 25-yard line, let's say, 38 seconds left, and uh, James Blackman goes back and just he, – he goes back to throw the football – and the ball just – it's wet, it's rainy, ball comes out, and it's just its sort of a Bad News Bears-looking play. But that's not even the worst of it. You know, Florida State recovers it, and there's just zero urgency for anyone to get lined up. As they're getting lined up, there's a, a offensive lineman that's kind of out there picking flowers in left field and, <laughs> and sort of – you know, he doesn't even know what's going on. And then when they finally do get lined up, they have a – at, th- at that point, there's 11 seconds left, and they then there's a bad snap and a fumble, and time runs out. So it's like 38 seconds, 35 seconds, whatever it was, two plays, two fumbles, like just zero crisp discipline to what the operation looked like. And I think that probably is the frustrating thing from Florida State fans. It's not that they're losing, because I, I, you mentioned, Tom, I mean, Boise State, Virginia – Wake, I mean, yeah, you know, Florida State should beat those teams, but not one of those teams is a bad team. No, and and so the I think it's just the the way it looks right now. Florida State is probably as big of an indictment on Willie Taggart as, as any win loss record. Well, and even in the wins, like I would say, Louisiana Monroe and Louisville, yeah, aren't like you you won that game, Florida State, but it didn't feel good the way it went down. Right. Yeah, Louisiana Monroe, you got to throw that in there for sure. Yeah, that one's that that one's not a moral victory. That was a moral defeat. It yeah. was a, it was a morale defeat uh instead of a moral victory there. Defense I'll, came through on that missed extra point though. Yeah, the de- great job right. of that defense on the mix, missed extra point. Um if there's a spot that I'm going to circle uh podcast listener and my buddy Josh Goodson Sports Channel 8 in Raleigh pointed to November 10th because on November 9th Florida State goes up to Chestnut Hill, and if there's a spot where a team might be on quit and alert, it's going to be November 9th in Chestnut. A bunch of Florida boys in Boston for noon kickoff on November 9th. That might and, be and bad. Not only that, but that's so – I would guess that Boston College for that game will be 5-4, and four, maybe 4-5. Four and five. Steve Adazio also very much on the hot seat. That's going to be a pretty important game for that program too. That that, that could you know we could see um, Thunderdome for, fortunes fortunes shift. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, one, yeah. Two coaches enter, one man leaves type of deal. All in all, um, well, actually, you know what? Let's save those conversations for when something actually happens. Well, is there is there anything else that y'all want to put on this because it's. You know, we are reacting in in almost you know real time to some of the comments from the Knowles two four seven, and this is all again. I think coming back not only to the defeat to Wake Forest, who was again down at starting quarterback, but the nature of the defeat because it certainly looks like not only did Florida State have better players in this game and lost, but it also got a little bit out coached in the game. Yeah, and I, and they've there's been a couple of uh, decommitments. Uh, recently and you know you kind of wonder because they've actually the recruiting class is decent so you kind of wonder if that's going to start to um, decline a little bit if uh, this the things keep on going this route obviously the attendance has been 
really bad. And there's, a, there's only been one decommitment. Uh, Jalen Harrell's the cornerback that decommitted, but I thought there was uh, in my head. I was thinking there's more, but, but could more come? Um, I think the attendance for the Syracuse game this weekend will be very telling. Uh, I, I, I got to imagine it's going to be a pretty sad scene based on just sort of the, the butts in the seats. So uh, that, that's kind of what I'm watching as much as anything. Like how much can the administration stomach what the, uh, the fan apathy looks like? Keeping it in the ACC, uh, Andrew Booth was ejected from the game after throwing a punch at the end of a, at the end of a heated play, uh, it caused a little bit of a skirmish on the field. And for Booth, well, uh, that meant that he was not going to be traveling with the rest of the team. While the rest of the team got to take a got to take a plane back to the upstate, no, Andrew Booth was going to be on the equipment bus. Tom, what what kind of bus is it? It's the Roy bus. There's the Roy bus. The rest of y'all get on the plane, and uh, and Andrew Booth gets on the bus. Uh, did, Tom, did you like the the form of punishment that Dabo Sweeney chose for his young defender? Yeah. I mean, you got to do something. And I don't think that you want to suspend a kid for, you know, throwing punches in a game because, you know, it's football. It's it's an emotional, physical game. Those kind of reactions are going to happen. And you can't just, you know, it's I think that's a fitting punishment for the crime. You got tossed out of the game. You hurt your team. You weren't thinking, why in the world should you be? you know, the beneficiary of a nice comfy flight home. Now you, you sit on that, you sit on that bus and you just sit there and stare at some stinking ass shoulder pads and dirty jerseys. And you just, you just stew in it for a few hours. And then, you know, you get home and you say, I'm sorry guys. And you apologize to your team and you move on. Yeah, I, I love it. And, and I, and I even say that as someone that can get a little, you know, can, can, the, the Dabo shtick can get a little nauseating at, at times for me. It's a little, it can be a little much, um, but but for some reason this just is is the perfect punishment because that was ridiculous. Yes. I don't know what was said before that play. I don't know what tensions had been building or why, but he just flat out it was like straight up, you know, prison yard stuff. Just why? Like what? What's the point of this, man? Like. He literally just sort of tackled the guy and started wailing away on his helmet with his with his fist. It was stupid. I mean, it's probably hurt his hand doing it. So it, it was it was unnecessary, uncalled for, and yeah, you know, let him keep on playing. But if if you're and, and it's the type of thing, you know, when uh, like a Kurt Herb Herb Street, like when Rashawn Golden for Tennessee flicked off the the. <laughs> the yeah, the opponent. What game was that? It was Alabama. It was Alabama, where he flipped the double uh, yeah, birds yeah. to the crowd. It, and Herb Street was like, you gotta, "Yeah, it was. It's one of the greatest photos of all time." And Herb Street was like, "Get him out of here! Like he should be suspended on the bus home." Like, there's a lot of of that rhetoric that people like to 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 talk about. And this was this was Dabo holding someone accountable in a I think effective way. So I kind of liked it. Um, Dabo did say after the game that Andrew Booth was, you know, he, he was probably just sticking up for his player, but his comment was, uh, you know, of all the players in that locker room, he is one of the last ones that I would expect to do this. And did y'all see, uh, former Clemson Tiger Dexter Lawrence in a, in a eerie bit on the other side of the, uh, professional mirror got ejected for throwing a was punch. Was it Dexter or Wilkins? I thought it was Wilkins. Oh, was it Wilkins? Yeah. yeah Cause I Dexter, was, Dexter plays yeah. with, uh, 
Dexter plays with the Giants, and it was Christian Wilkins who plays with the Dolphins. And I would say, after covering Christian Wilkins in uh, covering Christian Wilkins in college, he's not real high on that list that you would expect. So uh, strange punches being thrown by Clemson Tigers out here. This Playing weekend. for the Dolphins will do things to you, though mentally. Fair. <laughs> You're gonna snap at some point. So it was like uh, the Christian Wilkins lost like four college four games in a four year college career. It's like you, you can understand why he's uh, all this losing isn't exactly settling with him himself very uh, very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, we've got what was described as a tightrope procedure, and I guess tightrope had to do with the high stakes. I don't know about uh, ankle procedures, but uh, Tua Tagovailoa will officially miss the Arkansas game, but a full recovery is expected. We've got our eyes, all, of course, on November 9th as it pertains to Tua's status. We talked about it a little bit as everything was uh, new and unfolding during the recap pod. Any any changes in the belief of the, where Alabama is going to be with or without Tua by the time the LSU game comes around? I will say I do believe the you know one to two weeks recovery time is very optimistic. Because I, I wrote about it in the Monday after. If we go back to last year when he suffered the same injury with the other ankle against Georgia in the SEC title game and he had the same procedure, a month later, before the game against Oklahoma, he told reporters he was closer to 85% than 100 So if that was four weeks and LSU's in three weeks, I don't think he's going to be you know closer to 100% this time around, though. Hey, maybe the experience of going through it, he'll, he'll know better how to handle and rehab it, and the Alabama training staff will know better how to rehab it. But I am legitimately concerned about what level he's going to be at. I have absolutely no doubt he's going to be playing in the LSU game. It's just I don't know what condition he's going to be in. And it's if he's not 100%, and as we talked about on Saturday night, it's hard to think Alabama is going to beat LSU if two is not at 100%. Yeah, the I think that a Mac Jones led Alabama is not among the top tier in college football, and I mean that's a that's a high bar to be in that top tier. Um, that you know Georgia has is no longer in it. Obviously, the Wisconsin certainly isn't in it anymore. I don't I don't even think Penn State is in it. I think that top tier is LSU. Um, I think Clemson's still in it. Oklahoma. Uh, and uh, Ohio State, and I think Alabama without Tua takes a step to just outside of it. And with a hobbled Tua, they are in it. I think they're definitely in it, but it it it, it changes things. It really does. And I think a high ankle sprain. And uh, look, he seemed to be pretty like he seemed to have recovered by the time the national championship game rolled around last year. And I was, you know, surprised by that. So I'm not putting it past Alabama's medical staff and Dr. James Andrews or whoever else is, is involved in this. But uh, I, I think Tua's health is of paramount importance to this Alabama team. Y'all want to open this mailbag? Okay. You've got mail. All right, I wanted to begin with something that we talked about on Saturday night in the recap pod, but there have been more questions that flooded in, including some people that uh, enjoyed the discussion. So to address several questions at once right here out the out the gate, um, now that we've had some time to, to simmer with it, to look back at it, no longer as much of an instant reaction, any, any changed opinions or thoughts on, uh, on Jeremy Pruitt and Jarrett Guarantano on the sideline? 
I will say I'm surprised there hasn't been more uproar. I thought there was going to be like a bigger to-do made about it, but hey, maybe most of the country kind of felt the same way we did on Saturday night. Uh, you know what's funny is a, a lot of the people that have been a lot of people that have been talking about it and are players, are players, former yeah. players, like not not former Tennessee players, but like former NFL players, and you know I guess that's interesting and and telling um but i i also feel like maybe they're looking at it from an nfl perspective like when you're in the nfl you are i mean you're a grown man you're a professional you're you know you're 30 years old sometimes you're getting paid more than the coach is coaching you in college it's much more of a formative relationship coach player it's much more of a I mean, it should be, I think, ideally, a, a, a sort of teaching to become a man type of deal. Um, there's that element to it. And so I wonder if that's why a lot of the NFX NFL guys have a real hard time with this. I thought it was interesting. I don't know if you guys saw this, um, but one of Tennessee's um, recruits, a four-star recruit, um, uh, to his dad tweeted, I must see if I can pull this up. His dad tweeted, Dear Coach Pruitt and other Vol coaches, if my son acts like a nut or needs correcting, you have my permission to lay hands on him, his face mask, his shoulder pads, or put his butt on the ground. I'm signing him over to you to develop a man, warrior, and winner. Signed, Dad. That's the, the father of Jalen Hyatt, who's a four-star receiver that's committed to Tennessee. So I think that that is honestly a pretty powerful response uh, and and probably excuses Pruitt as much or more than than anything else. I I'm not willing to excuse Pruitt, but I am also, uh, you know, I, I also understand that there's there's going to be some. Mm, every relationship's different, right? Like every coach player relationship is different. We're not there in practice. Uh, just the nature of Jeremy Pruitt kind of leads me to believe that he might have put in his put his fingers in players face mask before don't you think oh yeah right yeah like but that's, odds, as long odds, as that's as far as it goes i don't care like odds yeah. are good that that's that behavior while it got a big reaction because of the game uh you know the the way the game was going and what happened after the play um you know i i think that the fact that there hasn't been more reaction from like within the tennessee football team than then probably Pruitt's done that before yeah, as yeah. long as he's not endangering the player's safety or, you know, like abusing the player, fine. If it's just grabbing the face mask and yelling at a guy, I'm never really going to be all that upset about it. I mean, if it's it like there, there is a level of, of face mask control that probably makes turns uncomfortable for me. Yes. You know, but Bud Kilmer on Varsity Blues probably has crossed <laughs> that line. You yes. know, there's, there's probably some others out there that have. And so, you know, you're, you're playing with fire a little bit when you start engaging the face mask. But what Pruitt did really doesn't bother me. And I don't think it would have bothered me if I was his player either. I don't I, think it would have bothered me if it was me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I want to let's let's bring this one up because uh, unfortunately this this question came in prior to Wisconsin's loss at Illinois. But I think it, the, the conversation still still merits some uh, some some interesting points. 
to, to be had. So the question from Jeremy in Detroit, lots of analysts discuss that a lack of dudes, four to five star players, is Wisconsin's problem when competing with the top tier. Illinois, I'm sorry, Tom, not top tier. At what, what point is the lack of dudes become moot, noting that plenty of teams full of dudes aren't that good? And he also, I believe, mentioned Florida State and Miami and uh, and some of the other teams. So the I get I guess it comes back to talent. Um, and and Barton, like, do you think that uh, the lack of the the four and five star players is going to put a ceiling on Wisconsin football? I do. Yeah, uh, depends on you know the ceiling being national championship. Um, I, I could I could be proven wrong at some point by, in this, but I still believe that there's a barrier of entry to national championship. You're right. You can have dudes and be bad. You can have dudes and have a bad culture. You can pick the wrong quote dudes. You can um, you can evaluate poorly. But if you want to win a Big Ten championship, let's say, yeah, maybe you don't. You can. You can get away with having a top 20 class instead of a top five class. That's fine. I'm not saying Wisconsin can win a Big Ten championship in their present state. But if Wisconsin is ever going to win a national championship, and you can make the same comment to about whoever you want, Michigan State, Arizona State, Washington, uh, you know, South Carolina, what, whatever, you know, it, it, this, this, this is, goes across the board. To get to a national championship, there is a certain threshold of recruiting. There's a certain threshold of five-star star power that you have to have on your roster. And I don't think Wisconsin has it right now. I mean, it's a little different with, with Wisconsin because I think that the offensive line is a spot where star power probably isn't as important if you're developing the right way. So Wisconsin will always have a strength and a foundation that is not like, like star-dependent. But I, th- I, you still, I think, have to cycle up a little more than they have to get to the Ohio's to, to be able to, you know, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson world. And and look, we saw it even with Notre Dame. Notre Dame, I think, is still trying to stair step up to get back to where they can compete in a in a game like that was against Clemson. And I think they know that. I think the the uh, Notre Dame's coaches have acknowledged like we're not there from a talent standpoint, and we're close. And it's it takes. It takes steady progression. You don't just sort of flip the switch and decide you're going to recruit this year and be a, you know, be that roster. But it takes an acknowledgement and an improvement over time, I think, to make it. And and hey, Wisconsin might get there, but no, I'm I'm not of the opinion that they can win a national championship with the way they currently uh, their roster is constructed. Yeah, I, I mean, let's look at it this way: When was the last time Alabama lost as a thirty-point favorite? Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, and you look at that and you even mentioned you can win the Big Ten without those dudes. You can get to the playoff without those dudes. We saw it a few years ago with Michigan State. It's just what happened to Michigan State once it got there. So when it comes to winning a national title without the quote unquote dudes, you can get to the playoff. And there are teams full of dudes who don't win. But when you get to the playoff, you're facing the teams full of dudes who did win and have won. And now you've got to beat two of them consecutively to win a national title. It's not it's not statistically impossible. We play, you know, long enough, somebody will probably do it. It's just the odds are very much stacked against you. So unless you have like a once in a lifetime coach who is just an amazing schematic guy who can outscheme his opponents, who puts together amazing game plans, the, the it's it's very very difficult. 
Caitlin asks, if you could be the concert, hold on, consigliere, how'd I do, Tom? Conciliere. Conciliere. I thought it was consigliere. Is it uh, conciliere? In Italian, the G-L-I makes a Y noise. It's not, oh. so it's conciliere. Ah, Con- uh, conciliere. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you if you could be the conciliary to two current college football oh yeah to two current college football coaches who would they be why and what advice would you give them Tom you've got to go first on this one just based <laughs> for all Italian reasons yeah this is uh, I would go for one reason we discussed like I think either last week or the week before in the mailbag Ed Orgeron would be one because while he doesn't want nerds on his team I think he would listen to nerds when they have good advice and I would just be there for him for situations and like, you know, key moments of games. What's, what does the math say? What do I need to do here? Should I punch? Should I go for it? What's the best move? So I would be there for him in those because I feel like as far as acquiring talent and motivating his team and surrounding himself with good coaches, he's got all that taken care of. Maybe he needs somebody who can help him with those moments. If they come up like maybe in a few weeks against Alabama, he's in a tough spot, might need somebody. And my other one for very much the same similar reasons is James Franklin, because I feel like James Franklin does so many good things well to put Penn state in great position. And then it comes to the games and it's like, I can't, you know, it's, there are moments where you're like, well, well, coach, coach, you know, no, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. You should be doing this. So I would like to be there for them because I think, you know, I think if I, if James Franklin has one of those guys around, Penn State's going to get even better than it already has been. Barton? Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is a tough one. I don't know the answer. I, I, I would I sort of go in an opposite direction of Tom here in that I am more leaning towards trying to be the consigliere, consigliere <laughs> to – a coach that ha- has all the football stuff figured out. I don't need to be the guy that's helping him, you know, decide when to go for a fourth down or, um, you know, what what their base defensive front should look like or whatever. But more about how you know what the how the like to generally channel the how to steer the battleship, so to speak. And uh, you know, I th- I think a, a place that would be fun to do that at would be Miami because there's so many. Um, there's so many strengths and natural resources that that program has, and yet there's so many interesting challenges that that program has to sort of navigate. And so I just think it could be fun. And I think Manny Diaz, the reason I, I don't know, like I think Manny Diaz probably is enjoys that challenge too. And it's part of the reason why he, he's probably a good fit there to be the coach is he understands all that. And so I think it would be fun to be in his ear and and help figure out, you know, what's the best way to engage the NFL alumni? You know, what's the best way to recruit South Florida and and own the area but still dabble in other regions? Uh, what's the best way to, you know, ignite the fan base? Whatever. Like, I just think there's – but Miami could be a, a fun uh, a fun challenge, I think. Yeah, there are all different types of good conciliaries. The key is you just have to be a compliment for your Don. So, like, if you've got an aggressive, impetuous Don, you need somebody who's, you know, maybe a little calmer, more relaxed, who's more, you know, can, a little more stoic, who could calm them down and reel them in and make them see the best move that's really available to them and not just react emotionally. And if you've got the opposite, maybe you want somebody who's a little more aggressive who can let them know, hey, this is when you need to put your foot on the gas a little bit. Which yeah, brings like, me Tom, to... 
Okay, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, Tom Hagen wasn't a wartime conciliator, nope. right? Nope, correct. You're right there? Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's, that's a little Godfather reference for you. He was he was a conciliator that tried to keep you out of the war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, yeah, which really brings me to uh, my choice, which it is, Barton, exactly what you're talking about, because I would go post up in Columbia with Will Muschamp in South Carolina. And I, th- I think that I would be able to provide a calming presence for Coach Boom, <laughs> who's it's gutless. You come over from 40 yards away. Next time, drop it at my feet. His, uh, his post-game rants, he's yes. feeling himself right now. Uh, I think that I think he could maybe use a little bit of zen, a little bit of calming presence. <laughs> I, would, I would reach into my Phil Jackson uh, book of tricks and, and see if we can get him in, in a little bit of a, a more level space though I do love uh, the readers. So, you know, keep ever since the glasses came on, South Carolina's been a different football team. So I would no I would I would tell him to uh to obviously keep that going. And then let's see a second team. I was I guess this is a little bit more of the the game uh, scenario, but I I would probably go with Mac Brown who iced his own kicker in a six overtime loss to Virginia Tech. Yeah, Mac Brown sees but hit like Mac Brown needs one voice because I, th- I can't remember if we've talked about this on this pod or not, but it feels like every time, and they've had a lot of late-game situations, like more so than maybe anybody in the country, it seems like, in North Carolina. But it seems like w- every time there's a late-game big moment, Mac Brown has like six people running up to him, like like pulling at his shirt, like, do this, do this. Like He, he, needs, to fi- like, he needs to channel this all into one, like, one conciliary instead of – because everyone seems to be giving him – tips and suggestions when those big moments arrive too many people making that gravy so yeah. the the uh the art that's a hey excellent man even keeping it italian all the way to the gravy mm, feeling so good it's all i know that. i uh yeah the the argument i think is i might have the numbers wrong north carolina is currently three and four uh one side of the triangle argues that they are 17 points from being six and one uh, but they're also like nine points away from being one and six. <laughs> mm. Very living, living life in a, a special place. Um, all right. Do you, uh, is, is there any one that, uh, that y'all want to go? We, I mean, these, these questions are all public. So, uh, let's see. I thought this was an, all right. So how about, well, let's start with this one. If Clemson loses an ACC game this season, who would be more likely to make the playoff, Clemson or Notre Dame? I guess we're assuming Notre Dame wins out and goes 11-1. and one. Correct. All right. So have at it, Chip, ACC guy. Notre Dame. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I agree with that. I don't. I, I, I mean, think, I, I think that Notre Dame is – I think Notre Dame would be more likely to make the playoff because they would be – they would be the, the perfect candidate for the quality loss argument – and I think that that Georgia game takes on a quality loss argument, even if Georgia loses one more game this season. If they lose two more games, then perhaps you know things become a little bit dicey. But I, I believe that a one-loss Notre Dame team that would then be remember having wins over over Michigan and Ann Arbor um, to go along with the the USC victory. I, yeah, I think Notre Dame over. Uh, Overall, one loss Clemson if Clemson drops an ACC game. But what would Notre Dame's best win be at the end of the year, though? Like, like USC is probably going to lose at least four games. 
Michigan might lose. I mean, if Notre Dame hands it its third loss and Michigan's still got Ohio State to come, it's going to lose at least four games. Stanford's not a big, impressive win. Virginia's not going to really tilt the scales in anyone's direction. I, I think there needs to be the context of who has Clemson lost to and how badly did they lose. Like, if Clemson goes undefeated during the regular season and then loses a close game at South Carolina in a rivalry game on, like, you know, in overtime or on, like, you know, a, like by th- a field goal at the buzzer, I think Clemson's getting the benefit of the doubt considering it's been in the playoff every you know year and it's won a couple national titles. I think it would get the benefit of the committee's doubt over Notre Dame. I think Clemson's yeah. best win is going to be Texas A&M. I mean, that's true. It's is, is Clemson play Wake? Clemson plays Wake. I mean, that'll be that'll probably be their best win from we'll a, from a ranking standpoint. We'll see. Hey, listen. Wake Forest is off to an incredible start. We'll see if they maintain it the second half of the season. True. So, uh, the, but like part of my deal is I, I do think that the committee is very much on the – like the, they, they take into account what teams look like, how, how they win, um, how impressive are they, more so than just blind resume, I, I think. Um, that's, that's been my observation anyway. And I, Notre Dame ain't going to play a Power 5 opponent, have a bad day, and win by 40. Because that's what's happening with Clemson. Like, they're not even playing well, and they're beating mm-hmm. teams by 35, 40 points. I, well, I, I push back on that. I, I think they're playing really, really, really well on the defensive side of the they're football. They're not playing well on offense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, uh, that's, yeah, that's an important clarification. Yeah, their defense has been... Has been great. They, Did you guys see Dabo's quote about that? Because they dropped in the AP poll again. That they're point seven yeah. points. He, he said for, we yeah. are we are winning by an average of twenty eight points. And last year this time we were winning by twenty eight point seven points. That point seven is elusive, and we're chasing that. It's possibly the greatest point seven out there, but we'll keep working. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. It's a fair point. I I think that this Clemson team. is still uh the Clemson offense in particular is still being penalized because it's not the what people thought they saw in the playoffs last year yeah no and we as I've said many times you you, I'd like to see them flip that switch before they get to the playoff sure sure sure. and and I think that the fact that there are teams that are like again it's they're being penalized because they're being compared to Ohio State and they're being compared to LSU, whereas we didn't we didn't know if 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 Ohio State was last year's Ohio State, which was still undefeated at this point in the year, which was still looking good, but but was looking fl- flawed, then all of a sudden I think Clemson would be viewed in a different light because you wouldn't have that more perfect vision to compare it to. Uh, I think same thing with LSU. Um, Clemson's only being compared. You know, if Clemson's only being compared to last year's team and they're still blowing teams out, then I think people are okay with it. Coming up on the other side, more of your questions and our answers. It's a Mailbag Monday. Next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, this is a, uh, a big, big jump from Sean Finley, who, said, who asks... Assuming Harbaugh steps down from Michigan at the end of the season, who would be the best candidate to take over as head coach? My answer would be PJ Fleck, or am I just crazy? Well, I think you're crazy for uh, Sean <laughs> for the assuming Harbaugh steps down from Michigan at the end of the season. But uh, I, I thought the PJ Fleck aspect of this was interesting. We didn't really talk about him much in uh, when we talked about the coaching carousel, did we, Barton? Um, no, and I, I don't think, I don't think PJ Fleck at Michigan is a fit. No, it's, it's PJ Fleck needs to be somewhere where he is building a culture, not adapting to a culture already in place. And I mean, I guess maybe a history is a, almost even a better term than culture. Michigan, I think would not be able to deal with the the, the fleck stick. I, I don't think the fan base would be able to. I don't think the alums, the, I just, I have a hard time seeing that happen for, but like I, I've mentioned this before, I think and so, like PJ fleck probably would really work at say UCLA, which is a little less ingrained in this sort of deep football history. And I know it's got a strong football, but, but in a different, you know, there's not, no one's walking around, LA there is no UCLA way. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So I just don't, there's some, uh, and, and, and just to be clear, this is obviously all just an exercise. No one, no one in here is saying Harbaugh is going to be gone. I, I don't think he will be. I think he's fine, safe, as long as he wants to be there in a, in a way. Um, but it's a fun exercise. And I, I think there's a lot of good candidates. I'm not there with, with, with Fleck. Hire Urban Meyer. <laughs> just just for the world to burn just let's see what happens yeah there was an, another question that was like Lincoln Riley to the Cowboys would Urban come to Oklahoma I feel like Urban's more likely to take the Cowboys than Lincoln. Urban said he would no. take the Cowboys job did you see that yeah yeah did he yeah yeah because I thought was, I thought Urban has said he would never take an NFL job because he 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 hates losing too much for a nine and seven to be a successful year. He was uh, it was a coward, right? Yeah, and he said that's yeah. the one, that's yeah. the job. And then coward said, "Well, would you take it?" He said, "Yeah." <laughs> really? So, I mean, he was literally on TV saying he would take a job that's not open. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Again, it, it was a follow-up from it was a they, yes. Colin asked a good follow-up. He wasn't stumping for it. Right? Yeah, 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 he wasn't yeah, stumping no, I, for I, it. I know, but yeah. still, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think that because uh, because that's the other part of um, you know where Urban Meyer lands. Where I'm like, I don't, 
I don't know. I don't think that we can trust. I don't think we can trust anything right now. We'll see. We'll see what happens yeah. moving forward. All right, let's. But, uh, but, but, go but, ahead. But, but I, I would like to. I would like to present some. Like, who did you guys think the best candidates for an open oh. Michigan job would be? David Shaw. Just Harbaugh to Shaw. Do it again. <laughs> um, David Shaw is not know. a bad That's, answer. The thing about this is, it's like Harbaugh felt like the perfect fit. And Absolutely. I yeah. don't know who that is right now. Dave Clawson. I see. I don't think Clawson works at Michigan because I think that's kind of like a Rich Rod thing again, where he's going to start doing stuff that Michigan fans are going to be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." I, and, I re- go ahead. No, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Go ahead. I, I, I wrote down Dave Clawson, Matt Campbell, Mike Gundy, Matt Rule. And you, you know what? Matt Rule might be it. Matt Rule. And uh, the last, well, and then also wrote down Luke Fickle, Mike Norvell. Is Luke Fickle worse? Luke Fickle actually, even though he's an Ohio State guy, you know that 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 wouldn't be terrible. And then uh, Mike Stoops. Not that. You know? And my thing with Rule is, it's like, would he be able to recruit? Is he like the kind of guy that can do the recruiting that Michigan would have to do to be what Michigan fans want Michigan to be? It's like I know he's a great coach. I, I think, think I think Stoops is a good call. I don't. I think that's a name that would probably be like if Michigan fans heard that name, they'd be like, "Ugh." But yeah. but I think that would that that'd be a better hire than they might expect it to be. Yeah. What mm. about Bob Stoops? What if Bobby comes out of retirement, takes the Michigan job? Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops is out there for sure. I mean, I remember. Do y'all think I, he's going to come back? I, you know, I read his book. I got sent a copy of the autobiography that he did with Wojciechowski, and I mean, he's coming back for the XFL. I get the sense that he's got like an itch. I don't know if he's ready to really jump into the twenty four seven nature that being a college football coach is. But if he's been out only as long as he is, and he's itching so badly to be back on a sideline that he's taking an XFL gig, which granted again, does it probably have the same time requirements that being the head coach at Michigan would have. I do think we're looking at a situation where I won't be shocked at all if Stoops in a year or two is like, I, I want to get back, especially if you know if he's feeling healthy, he's feeling good. I wouldn't be shocked. Do you think he'll be back? Barton? Um uh, I'd at least no. I just don't be, I mean, it, it's got to be a perfect job and a perfect job is, I don't know. I just don't, I just can't see it. I'm not having a hard time visioning what it looks like. Well, that's the thing. I feel like it's got to be a blue blood or maybe Iowa. And I think Michigan would be a good enough job to maybe it would entice him a little bit. And again, this is all fun speculation. I don't think any of this is going to happen. I definitely don't yeah. think Harbaugh is stepping down at the end of the season. Yeah. Dogs eat the same food every day and never complain. Well, maybe your dog doesn't complain. What, my dog complains. Yeah. What is the one food y'all could eat every day and never complain about? This question from Dogs on Top. Is this a is this like a metaphor for something? Like, am I am I missing this, or is this just purely like taking football out of the equation? Like, let's talk about your food interests. I mean, yeah. one food wow. every single day. We hey, listen. Well, these all questions that we can work Everything's our way. Everything's fair game. Everything's huh? fair game. 
All right. Well, who wants up first? I mean, if it's, I feel like eating pizza every day would be bad. Do I at least get to change up the toppings? Yes. I think you've got to be able to change up the toppings. Well, then I would go pizza or burrito. Yeah, I was going to say tacos. Um, I think I could do sushi every day. Ooh. Oh, you might get mercury poisoning, though. Uh, well, yeah. Can I get, I'll do some, some, uh, yeah, I don't know, tempura or something. Actually, I know what I do eat every single day. It's oatmeal, baby. Hashtag stay regular. Do you, do you then take a Werther's original when you're finished? It's uh, it's some oatmeal with about half a banana cut up, maybe some diced apples. Maybe they're. Are you my hands. grandpa? <laughs> <laughs> Every I, morning, baby. I, uh, th- this wouldn't give me the the nourishment I need, but I can do nachos like movie ball game nachos. It, like I, there, I'm never too full to with, get an order of nachos with the fake cheese. Oh yeah. The uh, fake yeah. cheese is probably one of the best cheeses on earth. <laughs> Loaded up with jalapenos, dig into that fake cheese. Whew. I could have a I could have a enormous steak meal with appetizer, dessert, and then go to a movie afterwards, and I'm gonna get that nachos and crush it. You know what I could eat every day? What? Lynn makes amazing burgers. I could eat a Lynn burger every day. Aww. Does Lynn listen? We'll find out. <laughs> All right. Uh, Miles Garrett Soros asks, Barton, why'd you jump off the Stanford won't cover train after a little setback? It's been so good to us. <laughs> You're right. And we missed a great opportunity this weekend because part of, you know, what one of the reasons why I didn't want to get too far off the Stanford train was – you know, the Davis Mills, the backup quarterback, is actually really good. I mean, we had him as our top quarterback in the country when he came out over Tua. And so I, I could have seen a scenario in which that offense started to click under him. That said, the offense started, the, the offensive line continued. Like, they had like six healthy offensive linemen last week. And, and a guy who I was not confident in coming out of high school was Jack West. And we saw that last week. He was, or this past weekend, he was... He didn't have it. And so I don't want to be reactive and jump back on. We'll see what the – I haven't seen – I don't even know who they play this weekend. But uh, I would say a fade Jack West is is very reasonable the rest of the way. Yeah, I don't know if you guys follow Ben Muth, but he is a former Stanford lineman. And I follow him on Twitter. And uh, he was he was not impressed with uh, – with old what's his name there during the game against UCLA, Jack West in his first start, he was, was disappointed, and it's like he was not shy about it. UCLA didn't even play that great offensively in the game, but Stanford was just so woefully inept that UCLA comes out with its doubling its win total. Big uh, big game for the Bruins. All right, let's start. So oh, go ahead. The the the, the preseason. Uh, you never know what injury, like how to prevent, how, where to to find the reason for injuries or whatever. But I still think you know we part of the fade Stanford's mentality before the season was in part strength coach Shannon Turley was was let go for some reason. I don't know if that has to do with all these injuries, but I can't imagine it helps. I, I don't know, but I mean that's 
the injury thing has been bad for them right now. An offensive line in particular is like, oh gosh, that's that's bad, that's bad luck for them. So um, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see if I mean David Shaw. Every time you doubt him, he's the type of guy that'll figure out a way to 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 come up with a win. So I would I would proceed with caution, but unless if Jack West is quarterback, we're probably good. Stanford play this week, or yeah, they are playing Arizona, but there is they are three point underdogs at home to Arizona. Yikes. Okay, but so my my step back for Stanford was, all right, so this year's bad. Last year wasn't all that inspiring, but overall we're still dealing with like an 85 and 30 record at Stanford with three Pac-12 titles and six top 20 finishes in eight seasons. Mm-hmm. But Before what's it been the last saying, right? few years? Yeah, it's all about trajectory, dude. About the trajectory hadn't looked good for Stanford. Like the – the the foundation has been crumbling a little bit. All right. Does a one-loss Boise State get the G5 bid over an undefeated App State, which, of course, assumes that the Mountaineers beat South Carolina and SMU Cincinnati, the AAC champ, lose? I mean... I would think that an undefeated App State with wins on the road over both North Carolina and South Carolina should get the spot over a one-loss Boise team who would has obviously the loss on the road to BYU, and its best win would be Florida State. I don't know how good that win really is. Would it be Air Force? Would it be a road win against Utah State or Wyoming? So I would think that Appy State gets that spot, but I don't know how much faith that the committee will have in a Sunbelt team, and I feel like with the Mountain West and just maybe Boise State's history, I can't say that with certainty. I think think an Appalachian State team with two road Power 5 wins gets it over a one-loss Boise State. I would hope so. And they should. And if you are a group of five fan that is stumping for the playoffs because – UCF or Boise or whoever has gone undefeated, then I would hope that you are the same fan that is saying, hey, we're Boise, but we lost. App State maybe in the Sun Belt, but they're undefeated. They deserve this. That's – look, and if, if, you're, if you are the fan that says, hey, we may be UCF, but uh, we're undefeated, but we still don't deserve to be in the playoffs because we're a group of five team – then I will allow you to say that Boise or UCF or whoever with losses deserves to be in the in uh, you know the group of five team in the New Year's Six. But you can't have it both ways. So a win's a win's a win, and give me App State in that scenario. Yeah, Barton says bring that same energy. I'm with you. Bring the same energy. Yeah, App State in. Um, all right, we'll save. Let's see. What should we expect from the MAC division race the rest of the year? Lunacy. Have you have you guys looked at the standings in the MAC right now? So the yeah. MAC, yeah. Uh, to update the listeners who might not have it in front of them, in the East Division, Ohio, Kent State, and Miami of Ohio are all tied for first place with two and one record. Bowling Green, shout out Bowling Green, and Buffalo with a one and two record. So basically everybody but Akron still in the mix in the East. In the West, 
Ball State is in first place alone with a 3-0 record. Central Michigan, second place alone with a 3-1 record. Western Michigan in third place at 2-2. Two two. Are we putting Emu, Toledo, and Northern Illinois to bed with their 1-2 starts, or are they still still in the mix? Uh, I mean, I think that you need to put Northern Illinois to bed. I don't think that team's good. I, I don't want to write off Toledo completely yet, but man, what I have seen. Uh, but you, you didn't mention my favorite part of all this in the East. You mentioned their conference standings. You didn't mention that there isn't a single team in the East with a winning record overall. No, <laughs> the, all five of those teams that I mentioned that are in the mix are three and four, three and four, three and four, two and five, shout out Bowling Green, and three and four. Uh, and then when you get to the West, it's four and three, four, five and three, four and four, four and three, four and three, and then Northern Illinois at two and five. But another thing, Eastern Michigan beat Western Michigan this weekend after Western Michigan beat Central Michigan, which beat Eastern Michigan. So the directional Michigan schools are just having a great, narr- like a, a transitive property thing there. But I think, I think Ball State is the best team in the West. I think they're going to win that division. In the East, I have absolutely no idea. Bowling Green's got Akron in a couple weeks. That's for a, <laughs> that's for a push. Keep an eye on that one. I think Chris Creighton's boys at Eastern Michigan are going to be able to win some games later. That's just a, this is just a bizarre, a bizarre, bizarre conference. Would you be a if you could be a coordinator at a high level Group of Five team or a head coach in the MAC? What would you do? coordinator high level group of five team i feel like if i'm a head coach in the mac i'm destined to get a bad big 10 job if you could be a head coach for a top 50 fcs program or a head coach in the mac what would you do at that point i'll take the mac i'll take the mac yeah easier easier access to a p5 job than i would have at an fcs school yeah all right the fcs i'm not sure i would the FCS is way more work, especially if you make the playoffs. They pay less and you got more games. No thanks. Unless you got, unless you got one of those Ivy League jobs where they only play 10 games all year, no bye week, get in and out, home by Thanksgiving. Hey, what is it, Barton? Conference championships or conference championships? Doesn't matter if you're 6-1-1 and one or 8-0. and oh. That's right. And if, you're, <laughs> if there's a tie at the end, it doesn't matter if there's a – if you've beaten the other team that you're tied with, everybody's a re- champion. Your your record's your record. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Do you want to any? Do you want to hit one more, or do you want to save these for what we've got left for uh, the next mailbag? I, I would like to address Hampton. Uh, who's Hampton? What about the the, the bar fight? Okay, going to address the bar fight. We. It's a good question. We can throw it on there. All right. You are in a bar fight. And you get to choose one head coach and one quarterback to back you up. Now, I am going to say that they do not have to be the same team. But the question, which comes from Judge Holden on Tiger Rant, is Tiger Rant an LSU site? Uh, I think so. It's either that or Mizzou, but I'm pretty sure it's LSU. I would assume that... This question was formed with the idea that Ed Ogeron and Joe Burrow is a pretty good head coach quarterback bar fight combo. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but I answered it two ways. I did. I did a combo of of any two, any combo you want in the country, and then I did which which duo. So you did you did the, you did the you pick two and the one team, right? All right. So what what are your answers? Well, I, 
So Tiger Ramp, I didn't even catch this, but you're right. You're probably right. But he'll be pleased to know that I would pick Orgeron Burrow as my number one seed for team, one team combo. Though neither would be my number one seed for coach or for player. My one seed, also my runner up for team combo, now that there's a little bit of a quarterback change, Kentucky. Lynn Bowden would be able to throw hands, and I'm I feel pretty good with him on my side. And then Stoops is, is scrappy enough. I, I, I like that t- that duo. My combo, Sam Ellinger at quarterback, and Tom, Tom Allen is my head coach. Oh, wow. So Ellinger, I guarantee you, I bet you $100 that Ellinger has been punched before in his life. Ellinger's in a bar fight right now. Yeah. <laughs> he is he is a he he chirps too much to have never been punched, to have avoided a life of being punched. I guarantee you that when he was punched, he barely flinched. Like didn't even didn't even register. Like that's that's a guy and you know, he's he's got a linebacker fullback kind of build. He's stocky. Not a great reach, but he could do some damage just bowling ball through some people, and no one's gonna no one's gonna knock him out. Like that's the worst thing. If you're in a fight and your boy just gets knocked out, and then you like you're solo, you don't. So I'm I'm with Ellinger, and then Tom Allen. All these other coaches who can bench press and you know barrel chested dudes like that might be great, but Tom Allen actually has a wrestling background, and you want a wrestler on your side in a fight. I'm just telling you that. Uh, He's he would be valuable. So give me Tom Allen and Sam Ellinger. I'm gonna take on the world. I I did not do coach QB combos from the same school, but I do have three coaches and three QBs. Okay. My three my three coaches are Ed Orgeron, which obviously, Will Muschamp, and Brent Venables. I feel like I could just go up to Venables, point at a guy in the bar, and say, "You see that guy." He said you shouldn't have to keep contained and then just let Brett go <laughs> and destroy him. And then my quarterbacks were Sam Ellinger for all the same reasons Bart mentioned. Also, Jalen Hurts, because, I mean, we've seen him squat. I can only imagine him picking up a dude in a bar and throwing him somewhere. And then final wild card, Tommy DeVito. Mm, Italian Tommy DeVito. Yeah. Who you know has been in some fights. Plus, he gets sacked all the damn time. And he keeps getting up. He can clearly take a punch. And in a fight, in a bar, the ability to take a punch is half the battle. That's right. Okay, so I don't have any that are lined up, but um, the I do. I would agree that Burrow and, and Coach Oates seems to, to be the one that makes sense. But my coach is Utah's Kyle Whittingham. That's a good call. And uh, my player, my quarterback, is Army's Kelvin Hopkins. I, I thought about the I thought about the Hopkins Munkin duo. Like, yeah, you know who's gonna win in the bar fight? Right. <laughs> so the, trained cadet. Yeah. The trained cadet. <laughs> he he might be a little bit diminutive compared to some of the other quarterbacks in the country, but I'll take him if fighting is what we're gonna be doing. So, uh, yeah, that was a. Well, let's give it, that question was from uh, Tiger. Yeah, Ju- yeah, Judge holding at Tiger Rant. Great question, and you probably do have the uh, the best duo in the country. Um, all right, you can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. A reminder that if you want to get your question in on the next listener mailbag, you can do so by going to the Cover 3 podcast page. Leave us a five-star review, and in that review, 
give us your question. Five stars. That gets it into the mix. You know, a comment on the show. You want to be nice. You want to be critical. We can take it. But then put your question next, and uh, we will address it in a listener mailbag. Uh, of course, you can reach us all the time on Twitter. And please do subscribe uh, while you're right there at the page. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.